How's everyone doing? Hope you had a great week. Um, my name is Shane. I'm one of the pastors here at Mountain View. We're glad to see you. It's obvious uh, spring break has started. Uh, a lot of the families have uh, taken off for the week already. Hey, um, we are um, a couple things I'd love to just go over before we get into this message this morning. Um, it, first is our cards. You'll notice uh, the Connect card. These are all of the cards that are found in front of you at the, in the chairs. Connect card is, if you've, if you've never connected with Mountain View, this is your first time, or you've been coming for a few weeks and you've, you've, you've never made any kind of connection yet, this is a way, great way for you to do so. If you have any questions, any, um, anything you'd like to find out more about, uh, you'd just like to get regular information about the church, um, just please go ahead and fill this out. Let us know that you're here, and then you can stick that in the offering when it comes by. Um, also, if you share your email with us, we do have a monthly email newsletter that comes out just as a way to keep you informed about things that are happening and that kind of thing. Um, and then second is our prayer card. Chances are, if you're here, there's something on your mind or your heart that you would like prayer on, and we encourage you to share it with us. Um, we would love to hear um, anything that you would some, want someone to pray for you about. We have a team of people that will pray this week for you, and anything, no matter how big or small, that you put on this card. Um, so please go ahead and share that with us as well. And then finally, uh, you can look at the other cards, but the next one I want to point out is this Next Steps card. Um, Next Steps is the class <laughs> that, we, uh, that we offer for anyone who's ready to kind of take the next step of really getting plugged in to Mountain View Fellowship and becoming what we call an impact team member, um, someone who just wants to partner with us and make an impact. And uh, it's a four-week class, and in that class, we, want, we talk about what it means to have a relationship with Christ and follow Him. We talk about connecting with Mountain View, who we are, and what, what it looks like to be a part of the church here. We, third, we talk about how God's created you individually with a purpose, and um, we will help you examine what that looks like and kind of walk through that. And then finally, we'll kind of give you a challenge to... Look for a way that you can serve God um, in a regular way, whether it be here at the church or out in the community, some way that you can do so. But before I get into the announcements, I uh, do want to dismiss the junior hires now. Um, so if you haven't, if there's any junior hires in here, I don't see any. We got any? Last week we had like 10 of you. Um, they're all on spring break traveling, I think. Okay, if you have any and you, if, there, if you are in junior high and you want to go with Emily, she would love to take you. Otherwise, she can have a seat. <laughs> All right, there we go. There's a couple. <laughs> All right. A um, couple things I do want to announce before we uh, get into the message. One is we have a new way um, that we're offering giving um, at the church. If, you're if you want to give to the church, um, we recognize it. Very few people carry, if you're anything like me, I don't even know where my checkbook is. Um, you know, I always have to like find it because I, I write so little checks nowadays. Um, and uh, so people ask, is there any other way we can give? Um, so a couple things. One, we do have the um, online giving. The third is uh, we have the kiosk out there that's down right now for a few weeks because of uh, we're transferring systems. But we are adding a new, uh, very convenient way. I actually tried this at my son's church a few weeks ago, and it's it's pretty cool, easy, simple way to give, and that's text giving. So we've got a quick little video to uh, demonstrate that. Hey there, Justin here, and I wanted to show you one of the easiest ways for you to give to your church. All you got to do, send a text message. Here, I'll show you how I set it up. All I need to do is text an amount to 84321 and a link will be sent back to me. I'll tap on that link, select my church, add an email address for the receipt, enter in my payment information, and that's it. From now on, when I want to give, I just grab my phone and text an amount. All right, let's donate $10 now. And that's it. Oh, oh, I added an extra zero. Yeah, I'm gonna need to fix that. Um, Luckily, I can. Since it's been less than 30 minutes, I just send the word refund and that last donation will be refunded. Whew. <laughs> I'm going to try it again. And there we go. And that, my friends, is how you can give with a text message. Happy giving. 
So pretty simple. If that's something, uh, if you want to give to the church, that's a great way to do it. Um, so last final announcement is in two weeks from now is Easter. Uh, and Easter is always a very big Sunday for us. We add a third service to accommodate the attendance that we have on Easter. We got some really special things planned for Easter service. Uh, so we're hope- hopefully you are kind of joining with us in our excitement in encouraging other people that we know, family, friends, neighbors, coworkers, to come check out the church. And one cool thing about Easter is um, it's just a time of year when a lot of people are open to checking out church. And so we always like to take advantage of that and make sure we give a clear gospel message and and talk about who Jesus is and what he does and the work that he has done for us. And so we will be doing that on Sunday along with some special fun things as well. Um, Everyone in the community, whether it be Heber, Midway, surrounding areas, as well as Camas and their surrounding areas, will be getting one of these in the mail and um, inviting them to the church. It tells them kind of what we're going to be talking about, and then on the back it has all the details. You'll notice that there should be some on your chairs. We encourage you to take one home and to invite people to church, to take, take one of these home and find someone that you would just give this to and invite. And it kind of helps that they've gotten one in the mail as well, or they'll, they'll get one in the mail. Um, and then uh, if you have other people that you'd like to invite, take grab as many of them on your way out as you want. They're on the table there and also at the welcome booth. And uh, we'd love to have you encourage and do that with us. The, <clears throat> the second thing about Easter is because it is always full, um, then we have the third service. But the 9.30 and the 11 service are always a little fuller than our 8 a.m. service. Now, you are 11 a.m. people. That means you don't even know what 8 a.m. is. So, um, but, um, <laughs> but, but we really want to encourage a couple things. One, like I say, bring people. Um, and if you know of people that are going to be coming, go to whatever service works for them. Go whatever service works for them. But if you don't have anyone coming with you and, and you're just coming to church this Sunday, we really want to encourage you, if it's possible, to attend the 8 a.m. service. That would be great. That would really help us out um, and, and kind of free up more space here. Um, we, can, we really can't add more chairs. This, this place is about as full as it gets. Um, so we do have a couple th- one thing, though, that really helps us. We've been doing it for about three years now, and it really helps us just see what to expect, and it, it works out pretty well. And that is, you'll notice at the table out there, there's some tickets. And we strongly encourage you to grab tickets, um, one ticket for every person that is going to be in this room. Um, not necessarily for your, the children um, that are going to the children's area, but anyone who's going to be in this room um, to grab a ticket for them. Um, and then you can even use that to invite your friends as well. Now, here's the thing. You can show up without your tickets. You don't need to have, bring your tickets. Uh, we're not charging anybody. We're not going to turn anyone away if they come to the wrong service. You don't have to worry about any of that. It just helps us get an idea. And then as you're taking tickets out there, you can even kind of see like, oh, this service is basically already full because we make enough tickets for the amount of chairs we have. Okay? So um, it would really help out if you did that. So, Okay. I think that is it. And uh, we're going to jump into this morning's message. Um, we're, we're, we're going to talk about victory for the next two weeks and uh, kind of t- did a total change in what I was planning on talking about based on Matthew's message last week. Um, really felt like Matthew, Pastor Matthew from uh, Utah Community Church, um, Utah Valley Community Church that I invited up, he, he really spoke to some things I felt like were important for us as a church and some of the things that we've been going through. And it really got me thinking through the whole idea of victory as Christ followers. So I, I want to take the next two weeks and talk about this idea of victory. So let's pray and uh, we'll jump in. Father God, I thank you um, for your promises. And God, you, you promise us uh, that, we have, that we have victory, that you are victorious in the end. And uh, God, yet there are times in our life where it, that victory feels really far off. Um, and it sometimes even feels like it might be hopeless. Uh, God, I, I pray right now that if anyone in here is going through anything where they're just questioning, they're questioning your strength, they're questioning your, your love for them, they're questioning your provision, 
your promises. Um, God, they're questioning their faith. Um, God, I pray that your spirit would just surround them, um, that you would give us the hope, that you would, you would point us to your truth, to your love, um, and that we would see that you have a plan um, that goes beyond our understanding, um, no matter how difficult life might be sometimes. And uh, just pray that you would speak to us this morning. In your name I pray. Amen. <clears throat> so last week, my, Matthew shared from Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 to 12, and he, he, it says this, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. And in sharing that, he gave some really good thoughts. He said, one, that we have to remember our battle is never against other people. No matter how much you might get angry at somebody, no matter how much you feel like someone's oppressing you or standing against the gospel or our values or, or whatever it is, your battle is not against those people. Your battle is not against the person who angers you. Your battle is not against the person who oppresses you. you we, we do have an enemy, but that enemy is never people. We are always called to love people, regardless of where we stand and regardless of where they stand. That's what we're called to. But our en- we do have an enemy, and that enemy is our adversary. That enemy is Satan, and, and he is the enemy of our master. But we have to remember that we fight from a place of victory. We fight from victory, not for victory. And that really hit me last week. Um, I, you know, I've thought about that in many ways, but I've never those exact words. That we fight from victory. We, we already know that victory has been promised. So, so we're not fighting for it, but we're fighting from it. And so as, as we, I thought about that this week, I really just thought, you know, I feel like for many of the things that we're going through as a church, that this is a, a good thing for us to talk about. You know, the reality is we live in a pretty cushy culture. You know, it really is a pretty cushy culture. We have so many things at our fingertips, Right? And, and we have so many things that, that take care of us that the reality is that when we go through, we go through most of this life really never having to face any real hardship compared to most of the world. When we compare it to what's going on in the rest of the world, most of the things that we face are, are not really that much of a hardship. So when we do face a hardship, it oftentimes can send us reeling. Right? I mean, we, do, we, we have modern medicine that can cure so many things that we deal with today um, that, you know, that many people in this world don't have access to. Um, many things that we can go and get a pill for, or get a shop for, are killing people around the world. Um, we lose jobs and we have financial issues and situations. But the reality is, is most people I know who are struggling financially can still go buy a coffee or a candy bar, or whatever it is. Where I've met people around the world that don't even think of going and doing something like that. <clears throat> and so oftentimes when we're hit with these things, we're just not ready. We're not prepared. I, um, I like war movies, and uh, so every chance I get, if I hear about a good war movie, I, I watch it. And for months, my daughter Rachel was um, encouraging me to watch Hacksaw Ridge. She had gone and seen it and said, Dad, you're going to love this movie. You've got to see this movie. And I had two little girls in the house, so most of the movies I watch have talking animals in them. And so I, I, ha- I find it hard to find time to watch the movies I want to watch. And uh, so finally, we kind of found some time to have some adult time, and we all watched Hacksaw Ridge together. And, and, um, and it was a great movie. But every time I watch a movie like that, I, I think of two things. One, I think how thankful I am that I have never been in that kind of a situation, because it's mind-boggling to think of, of being in that kind of a situation. Second, I often wonder how I would handle it. I often wonder what I would do in those situations, because I'm in awe of some of the bravery that you see displayed, and especially in a situation like that, where it really truly is based on the life uh, of a true life situation of one individual. 
I'm in awe of people who are able to continue to push forward under extreme enemy fire. Even to the point where they, they, they're doing what's called the army crawl, where you're literally crawling forward. You're pressing on in a crawl with bullets whizzing above your head, just barely being able to press on because you know that that's the only way that victory is ever going to be obtained. And I think sometimes as Christians, we need to remember that we are fighting a battle like that. And there are times when we are going to be crawling, if anything. But if we don't continue to crawl forward, if we don't continue to press on, then we begin to feel hopeless. We begin to feel like we need to retreat. We begin to feel as though there is no victory. And as a church, we've faced a lot of trials and hardship lately. We've lost many people in the last few weeks who were a part of our congregation or who were closely related to our congregation and in some very difficult, tough situations. We've seen auto accidents and um, um, killing and, uh, and, and disease take people. And, 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 it's, and it's just been a pretty tough thing for many people. We've had many who are afflicted with major health issues and some who continue to fight with constant struggles of losing jobs, homes, or just struggling to get by. And it's easy to forget that the Bible is clear that in this life we are in a battle. That yes, victory is promised, yet we still fight a battle. And battles mean loss, pain, struggle, and hardship. And oftentimes we ask God to deliver us from these things. And but that doesn't seem like it's his plan. Instead, he calls us to press on. Remember Paul says I press on towards the goal. See, even that word press on, it implies working, it implies going through some hardship. But he doesn't say I I prance on, right? He doesn't he doesn't say I skip on towards the goal. It's a pressing on. It's a, there's a burden to carry, and yet we press on. And sometimes we keep praying, God, help me just to go around this. Help me to get through, to, just to go get out of my way. And God says, no, you, you're going to press on through this. You're going to press on. So this morning, I want to speak to that. Because maybe you feel like, man, I just, I'm, I'm just barely pressing on. Or be honest, I, I, I kind of feel like I quit pressing on. And I'm just hiding behind a rock right now, waiting for someone to come and save me. God wants us to press on. So if you have your Bibles, open them to 2 Corinthians 12. We're going to focus on verse 9 and 10, but I'm going to read um, today, right now, verse 8 through 10. Paul is talking to the Corinthians, and he's, and he's talking, he, he mentions it, he has a thorn in the flesh. This thing that he's been dealing with, um, that he wishes was gone. And we don't know what that is. People have speculated, some that it was a physical ailment that, that Paul just constantly had to deal with. Many that, some that it was a personality struggle that he knew was keeping him back and causing problems. And he wished would, he could overcome. Maybe it was something from his past that has haunted him. But, but he has this thorn in the flesh, he calls it. In verse 8, he says this. Three times I've pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then... I am strong. See, here's Paul, one of the greatest servants of God that ever lived. And yet he's under this constant struggle that he faces. In fact, we read that he actually went through many hardships. There's one thing he's praying about, but Paul went through a lot of hardships. Flip just probably a page or two back in your Bible to chapter 11. And in this part in the Corinthian letter, he's kind of having to feel like he has to defend who he is because he's got some 
adversaries that are kind of just trying to turn the Corinthians against him. And Paul doesn't like to brag. He doesn't like to constantly say, hey, this is why you should listen to me. But he's at this place where he kind of feels like he's got to say, hey, if they're going to attack me, let me at least, to my defense, tell you a little bit about what I go through. And he, and he says this in verse 23. He says, are they servants of Christ? And you can hear his, he feels like it's bad to brag. He says, I'm out of my mind to talk like this. He says, but I am more. Listen to what he says. I have worked much harder, been in prison more frequently, been flogged more severely, and been exposed to death again and again. Five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three, um, three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I have been constantly on the move. I have been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my own countrymen, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, in danger from false brothers. Do you hear a theme? I, I have labored and toiled and have got, often gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst and have often gone without food. I have been cold and naked. See, Paul lived his life in this constant place. It was just, it seemed like he went from one thing to the next of having trial. And yet he was serving God so faithfully. And it's not just Paul that we see suffering in. We go read throughout the entire Bible. We read it about Job and Esther and Lot and Moses. We read about David, who we'll talk about in a little bit. We read about Ruth. Those are just to name a few of people who face trial, who face struggle, who, who had weaknesses and, and hardships to deal with. We read about it in Hebrews chapter 11, if you want to turn your Bibles to Hebrews 11. Hebrews 11 is often referred to as the, the hall of faith because it goes from the kind of the beginning of God's, the story of God's people throughout and, and talks about all these people that through faith God did great things in. And I heard this, this uh, preach, the chap, this chapter preached probably at least twice before I actually read the Bible when I was going to church. And, um, and then when I read through the Bible and read this thing, I was like, it's interesting because the two times I heard this preach, no one talked about this part. They, they, they kind of left this part out. So look at 11, uh, 35 through 40. He's, he's going to talk about people of faith, but not necessarily who good things happened for. Verse 35, others were tortured and refused to be released so that they might gain a better resurrection. Some faced jeers and flogging while still others were chained and put in prison. They were stoned. They were sawed in two. They were put to death by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted, and mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains and in caves and holes in the ground. These were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised. God had planned something better for us so that only together with us would they be made perfect. See, they, they didn't receive the promise in their lifetime. They're saying, look, they went through this horrible things, and God has a promise, but it doesn't necessarily come in your lifetime. And sometimes, some people just, we go through trial, we go through pain, we go through misery, we go through heartache, we go through loss. Some one person I've known in my own life like this that I've, I always admired was my grandmother on my mom's side. My grandmother on my mom's side lost four of her five children before she passed. She lost two husbands. Many of the children to drug abuse and one to, one to murder. And yet she always was faithful. She never, never had any money to, to speak of. Never was taking vacation. She worked till late, late into her 70s. Yet she always was faithful, always trusting God in the midst of all that. So we see that we are going to face trials. The Bible never tells you that you will not face trial, pain, affliction, loss, and struggle. We have to understand that. If, if we don't understand that and we don't know that that is, that is the truth, that we are not going to be able to skate through life and, and get out of anything just because we are covered by God, 
If we don't get that, then what happens when something goes wrong, we blame God. When something goes wrong, we, we lose our faith. When something goes wrong, we feel like we were lied to. We've, we've, we feel abandoned. But God promises hardship. That's the, the Bible is clear. There will be hardship. So that's our first point. Our first point is hardship is to be expected. Hardship is to be expected. No battle is won without loss. So that said, I want to go back and I want to look at what Paul said in 2 Corinthians 12. I want to look at verse 9 and 10 because as I was thinking about this this week, I had... I had to do some self-evaluation and ask myself four questions that I want us just all ask ourselves this morning. So let's look at that. Verse nine, let's look at verse 9 and 10. This is the part where Paul prayed to God, asking for him to remove the thorn in the flesh, and this is what he, it says. Verse 9, he says, But he said to me, so God said to Paul, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in your weakness. So those are the two things that God tells him. And listen to what Paul says. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. Verse 10, that is why for Christ's sake I delight in weaknesses, in insults and hardships and persecutions and difficulties. And then for when I am weak, I am strong. And as I kept reflecting on that verse, I asked myself these four questions. So that's what I want to do this morning is just share these four questions and ask if, we, if, if we'd ask ourselves these questions... How do we answer? If we ask ourselves these questions when we're going through things, what's the answer? So the first is this. Is God's grace sufficient for me? Is God's grace sufficient for me? See, God's grace is not just his unmerited love for salvation. God's grace is also his love to sustain us through trials on earth. The, to the grace of knowing that he is there. The grace of knowing that he cares. The grace of knowing that he will, will never abandon. The grace of knowing that he has a plan, that he, he, that he cares for you. In Philippians chapter 4, verse 11 through 13, Paul, sharing with the Philippians, he says this. He says, Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. We love that verse. Verse 13, Philippians uh, chapter 4, verse 13. Yeah, I, we love that verse. Uh, look it up. Go on, uh, go on Amazon and look for merchandise you can buy with that verse on it. Everyone loves that verse, right? And we, you know, it's like... If you're in a powerlifting club, that's your Christian verse, right? Or what, whatever it is. We love that verse because it kind of, and, but we, we turn it around from what Paul's saying here. Oftentimes when we read that verse and we see that verse by itself, it, we, people kind of interpret to me like, I can do anything because God's with me. God's on my side. I can do it all, right? I, I can climb the highest mountain. I can achieve anything. What Paul's saying is sure. But what, it, what he's really saying is when you're at your lowest of low, when you're in your weakest of weak, Know that you can get through it because Christ sustains you. He strengthens you. He will be there with you. See, we have a tendency to base a lot of our happiness and fulfillment on whether things are going well for us, on whether things are turning our way and looking our way. Paul was able to find contentment in both good and bad, not because of the circumstances, but because he relied on the grace of God. He trusted in the grace of God. See, I don't know about you, but when I'm really honest, I have a tendency to get too caught up in the temporal. I get caught up in the physical things and situations of life and how things are going. So that was a tough one for me this week to just ask myself, when, when it's really tough, am I, am I trusting in the grace of God? Second, is his power made perfect in my weaknesses? Is his power made perfect in my weaknesses? What does that mean? When all is well, 
and, and I'm doing, and I'm strong, it's easy to give credit to God. But guess what? That's what the rest of the world thinks too, <laughs> right? They look and go, sure, sure you give glory to God because you, you, everything looks great in your life. It's a whole other thing when everything is going badly for me to still give glory to God, for me to still trust God. The other thing is when I'm being really honest, I've learned that the longer, like if things are going well for a long period of time and I don't have any setbacks, any hardships, any times where my weakness is exposed, in my heart of hearts, I'm not really giving glory to God. See, I've been around the church long enough to know that I still say it. But in my heart of hearts, it's easy to find myself kind of going, yeah, I'm doing pretty good. Yeah, you know what? They, they, you know, I, I, I got that going on. That's good. See, we, we, we learn not to, you know, we kind of know, hey, I, that's not, probably not a good thing to just go around and say. But the reality is, if I'm being honest, that's what kind of happens in my mind. But when I'm brought low and I got a struggle and I'm working through it to still give glory to God, it reminds me it's not about me. It's not about what I do. It truly is about him. This is, I think, one of the biggest blessings for me when I get to travel to developing countries is just being around people and working with the Christians there and seeing them claim Christ and give glory to him in situations where any American I've ever met would consider their trials almost unbearable, if not unbearable. Many of the, third, the, the developing country people that I've worked with go through things on a daily basis that I, anyone I know would say, I don't know how you live in that situation. I don't know how, you, and if you do live in it, I don't know how you do it with a good attitude. And it's such a blessing to be around people and to be humbled by that and to see people continue glory, give glory to God for what, what they've been blessed in and in the midst of those trials. Third question, do I delight in my weaknesses? Do I delight in my weaknesses? Now, I want to make sure we understand, Paul's not talking about sin, when he's talking about his weaknesses. We never delight in something that is rebellious to God or grieves God. We don't delight in that. We are never called to delight in that. He is speaking of our trials, our personality weaknesses, our suffering, those kinds of things. And James speaks of this, James chapter 1, verse 2 and 4. He says this, he says, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, not lacking anything. Once again, joy is deeper than a happiness that is based on our circumstances. It comes from an inner strength that is built on the foundation of faith in an eternal God who makes all things new, who works all things to the good of those who love him. It comes from trusting that he knows what is good far better than we do, that he has a plan, that it may not make sense. It may mean that I have to face a wall and a barrier that discouraged me, that knocked me down, that even hurt, but that he has a plan and I trust it. And then the final question is, do I find strength when I'm weak? Do I find strength when I'm weak? And for that, I'd like you to turn to Psalm 13. This is one of my favorite psalms. Um, and, I, and I'll tell you, if you're going through struggles and you're, you're feeling low, psalms are a great thing to read at times because the psalmists oftentimes wrote their psalms from places of despair and places of, of trial and yet still found place to trust God, to, to, to give God glory. And Psalm 13 is one I've, I've read many times. And it, in this, the psalmist is saying, how long, O oh Lord, will you forget me? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and every day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? Anyone ever felt like that? God, 
how long do I have to go through this? How long am I going to feel like you're nowhere around? How long am I going to feel like I can't find you? Like I can't see you in this, any of this? God, it feels like your, your face has been hidden from me. It feels like I'm by myself in all of this. Verse three, he says, look on me and answer, O Lord my God. Give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death. My enemy will say I've overcome him. My foes will rejoice when I fall. Here's what he's saying. God, give me a little, give me something. Give me something. Give, give me a little light to get through. But listen to verse five. In the midst of that despair, but I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord, for he has been good to me. I've had a few times in my life, I like to go for walks when I'm struggling and when I'm just going through stuff, it helps me think. And, and I've had times where I walk out as far as I can walk so I know at least be hope that no one hears me. And I've had nights like that where I start out just yelling at God and I'm not seeing any hope and I'm, I'm feeling completely empty and through it, coming back around and by the end, surrendering to him and submitting to him and trusting him and, and there's, there's a cleansing that takes place in that and a hope that comes in that. But I don't know about you, but for me, there's just a hope in knowing that, that the people that God used to write the word of God went through those same things. They understood what it meant to be in despair. I want to close by um, showing you a video that uh, um, I, I, I feel like was really pertinent um, like I said, I just changed all this this week, and um, and on Wednesday morning, I uh, called Josh uh, Boyer and Ashley Shelleridis and asked them if they would mind helping me by uh, giving testimony. For those of you, most of you know by now that Josh and Ashley's dad was shot and killed in the line of duty just last month um, in California, and. Um, I was so impressed with them. I, I've known Josh and Ashley since they were kids, and, um, and I, I, I just was so proud of them and how they displayed their faith and their trust in God in the midst of really the most difficult situations. No one expects to lose your, your, your you know, we, we expect to lose our parents, but no, you know, nobody likes to go through that, but it's a whole other thing to have someone's life taken from you. By somebody, and um, and yet I just I was so impressed with their faith in this and their willingness to forgive and to trust the Lord, and um, so I asked them if they would be willing to share, and we we agreed to just we're, we're going to show a video. We did it through video. Just thought that would be a little bit easier. So you know we didn't have a lot of time to create this. It's not. It's kind of just a little bit more uh, unedited and that kind of thing, but. Uh, um, I want you to watch their testimony as I asked them some questions about how they went through this and what they experienced from God. And then it'll close. There'll be a quick little pause, and then there'll be a video of uh, just a portion of each of their eulogies um, that they gave for the fathers. Would you watch the video? Josh, can you tell us a little bit about the day that you got the call and how that changed your life? That day changed our life forever. You know, I got that call from the police chief and he informed me that my father had been shot and killed by a gang member. And our whole family broke down in tears. And luckily, our family is amazing. We had flights booked for us the next day. We flew out to California and immediately when we got off the plane, we had a line of officers from the Whittier Police Department I don't even know how this happened, but they were saluting us and they were hugging us as we were walking down to go get our luggage and treating us like family. And from that moment on, the Whittier community, they were taking care of everything for us, bringing us food, treating us like, like one of their own. And everything from the funeral arrangements to anything we needed was taken care of by this community. 
And even though one of our own family was taken care of, we were brought in as family. And, and I couldn't even believe the, the measures that were taken care of us until we got to the funeral. Ashley, anyone who saw the service was blown away and humbled by the testimony that you all gave as well as the forgiveness that you all offered to the man who shot your dad. Can you tell us about how you got to the place of being able to do that and how you felt God moving through that? Yeah, um, that week was a blur. It was filled with deep sadness and depression um, and then to numbness and feeling nothing. And, and um, as we got closer to preparing for the eulogy, it was, it was such a God thing and how each of us kind of had an idea of what we wanted to talk about. And as we kind of shared those things with each other, it was all the same thing. Um, each of us wanted to glorify God in, in our dad's death. Uh, we wanted this to be honoring to him, but we wanted God to be glorified. And it was something that um, I feel like in, in the place that we were or where we, what we were going through, it was a God thing because he filled us and he got us through that week. And it was, he kind of just moved us from place to place. And even, even, even all three of us, when we got together, none of us talked about the forgiveness piece. We didn't actually figure that out until the day of when we practiced together. Um, and when we practiced for the first time the day of the funeral, it was when we realized that we had all mentioned forgiving this man. Um, and it was kind of surprising to all of us because we didn't plan that. It was something that God had done because we didn't do that. And even, even in the way that God provided for us, um, being able to speak in front of that many people was, it was all from him. He put us in a little tiny bubble and he moved us to sing and then he moved us to speak and he um he did all of that in spite of where we were at because we were not in a place to be able to do any of those things josh can you tell us a little bit about how you saw god working through all of that and what you've seen from that all i can say that it was absolutely incredible and powerful <laughs> We decided, like Ashley said, that we were going to surrender everything to God. And when we made that decision, we saw God's power. We saw him move in crazy, um, just all powerful ways. And you know, the stories that I heard after the funeral, are, and they're continually blowing my mind. We heard a story about uh, a guy in Camp Pendleton a preacher had called me and said that he was about to commit suicide. And when he called the church, he said that he had a gun and he had it in his mouth. And when uh, the TV started playing my dad's funeral, he stopped and he watched my dad's funeral. And by the end of that service, he had taken the gun out and he had called the church and he had given his life to Christ. We ha they had packets uh, that had information about Jesus in the Bible. They had 1,700 packets. Not only did they give all those packets away, they had hundreds of people calling in saying they wanted to know more about Jesus and they wanted those packets. We had news stations playing clips of the faith portions of that service. I mean, that just doesn't happen. News stations, right? No, normally they would play like the funny clips or the emotional clips, but instead the news stations that are broadcasted across the nation are playing faith-based scriptures. And I've never seen that happen in my life. God's power was moving. Ashley, just to close up, can you just share a little bit about how you feel that God may have been glorified through all this in, in the midst of your weaknesses? Obviously, as horrible and awful as this has, experience has been in dealing with the loss and the, the sadness that comes with that and 
the range of emotions that come with losing somebody so close to you. Um, at the same time, there's been this provision from God of peace and even joy in the midst of that. You know, there was a night where we were all together just crying, bawling our eyes out. And then two seconds later, we'd be laughing and just sharing stories about my dad. And he, this circumstance, um, as horrible as it has been, has brought my brothers and I closer together. I have seen uh, the love that this church body has and just experienced the love that um, has been deeper than anything I've ever known. Um, in the midst of this weakness, and this emptiness that we felt, God has shown himself to be so big and so strong. And not that I want to go through this all the time or, or feel like this all the time. I do want to see him be big all the time. And for me to see, like, to, for me to, the big thing for me is seeing um, in my weakness how strong he is. Um, makes me want to be weak all the time. I recognize it's good to be weak because God is strong. I'm going to tell you all that there are times that I don't have the strength to do on my own what I know is right. Like forgiving the man who committed the acts that brought us here today. I could accept anger into my heart. I could judge him and I could condemn him. And very few in this room would blame me. But my father taught me to choose the right thing, and he brought me up in the ways of the Lord. Ephesians 4, 31-32 says this, Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as Christ forgave you. Jesus and his disciples were amazing teachers, as proven by this verse. We cannot come together in unity and love and make this world a better place if we hold on to bitterness and rage and anger and we do not forgive those who wrong us. I know it may seem impossible to forgive the man that did this, but that is why I rely on the strength of the Lord. Jesus gives me strength and hope to move on and forgive and love and be a better person. That is the same Christ my father believed in and is with him now. Love you, Dad. If you guys want to know what Jesus looks like, what the heart of Jesus is, just look at my dad. He didn't have to tell us, and he did tell us, he told us about Jesus, but he didn't have to because he showed us with his actions. He showed us through his life who Jesus was. The way he acted, like Josh said, when no one is looking. That's who my dad was all of the time. The Bible says, greater love has no other than this, to lay down one's life for his friends. Nobody can tell me that there is a greater love than somebody who would die for you. But that's what my dad did. And he didn't just die for me and my brothers and my family. He died for our community and the people around him. He laid down his life for us. My dad understood that life wasn't about money or cars or houses or stuff or even religion. He understood that nobody could work their way to heaven, that it's not about us or anything that we can do. He understood that it's about what God's already done for us. He understood the meaning of life. That life is about love. It's about loving God and loving others, and that's it. And my dad did that. That was all that mattered to him. He loved God, and he loved others. I'd like to pray with you all before Pastor James comes back up. God, I pray that you would fill us with your spirit, Lord, that you would reveal yourself to us, God, that you would give us strength through this, that you would give us peace, she would give us understanding and wisdom, Lord. I pray for all the officers in here that are constantly putting their life on the line for us every day, Lord. I pray that you would anoint them with strength. 
God, that you would bless them and bless their families, Lord. I pray that you would bless everyone listening to this, God. I pray that you would reveal yourself in a mighty, mighty way to the hearts of everyone here, Lord. God, we love you and we praise you in your name. Amen. Victory is promised, but in order for us to obtain that victory, we have to press on. We have to understand that the fight is real, that we fight against a real enemy that seeks to destroy, and that the more we trust the master, the more victory we experience in this life. We're going to enter into our time of communion at this time. I'm going to ask the ushers to come forward, the, I mean the uh, band to come forward and the ushers to um, prepare the communion. And uh, as we do, it, it, communion is a perfect time just to talk about victory because it's only through Christ that we have victory. It's only through his sacrifice that we have victory. It's only through his resurrection that we have victory. And as his followers, we, we have to hold to that. We have to trust, to, trust in that. And so... In just a moment, the ushers are going to pass the, the elements. Encourage you to take the, the bread and take the cup. And you can, you can take the elements at your own time. But, but as you do, to remember that you have victory through what these represent. You have victory through his blood, through his body broken for you. We have to surrender to him. We have to surrender and give it to him. Let's pray and then we'll pass the communion. Father God, I thank you. I thank you for the victory we have. And God, I know there are people in this room that need to be reminded of that because they're feeling broken, they're feeling weak, they're feeling lost. And God, I pray that we would surrender that weakness to you. Lay it in your feet so that we can experience that victory that you have for us. And as we take these elements, pray that we would be reminded of where that victory comes from. Because you love us enough that you gave everything for us. Pray these things in your name.